0: In the face of the current atrocities perpetrated against the Ukrainian people by the government of Russia, we want to make you all aware of an opportunity to provide free therapy to those most impacted by the war in Ukraine. The organization called It's Complicated has created a platform for therapists from all around the world to offer their services for free. Particularly if you speak Ukrainian or Russian, please consider creating a profile at It's Complicated life slash en slash It's complicated is providing a secure online platform to conduct the sessions and will match people needing support with available therapists free of charge. Please consider creating a profile to provide free therapy to those impacted by the war. Go to itscomplicated.life/en/ukraine. We want to give you an update about somatic integration and processing trainings coming up. SIP 1 and SIP 2 are both approved for 21 NBCC hours. And we have big news. They are also each approved for 10 hours of approved advanced credit through MDRIA. So if you're working on your EMDR certification, SIP trainings can count towards your needed advanced training hours. We're so excited to be able to offer this to all of you. More exciting news is that we're offering SIP 1 for an Australian time zone. On July 22nd through the 24th, we will host a virtual training starting at 7 a.m. UTC plus 10. If you're in another time zone, you're welcome to attend this one as well. But we've had so many people from Australia reach out about SIP that we wanted to make it more accessible for all of you. We also have SIP-1 available in American time zones on June 23rd through the 25th and again on October 20th through the 22nd. Go to our website for all this info and more at beyondhealingcenter.com or email us at trainings at Beyond Thanks so much.
1: Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from emdr approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR what to do when you're stuck this podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about emdr and the process of psychotherapy we are glad that you're here
2: so welcome back to notice that an emdr podcast Today, we are going to be uh, having a guest on the show to do an interview with us about the combination of EMDR and yoga, which is a fascinating combination. Um, So who we have with us is Mary Horn, who is a LCSW in Arkansas. Hi, Mary. (laughs) Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, So happy to be here. I know this is super fun. So Mary and I have known each other for whoa, I don't know, a while now. And we finally got to meet in person (laughs) recently uh, when you came to our SIP training. Um, and I feel like I had hung out with you so much on zoom. I didn't realize that I never actually met you in person, which I think, uh, maybe says a lot about who you and I are as human beings. <laughs> like certainly we have been together in body, like, <laughs> yes, no, uh, thanks to the pandemic and several other factors that that had never occurred yet. Um, But yeah, I feel like the universe kind of brought us together to, to be able to work together and learn together. And so I'm really excited uh, for our listeners to get to listen to you talk today about the combination of yoga and movement from a very trauma-informed perspective and how you utilize that um, in your EMDR practice as well. So a little bit about you and your uh, kind of field of expertise. You are um, in private practice now recently. Yes. Uh, your practice is called Tribe Psychotherapy and Yoga Wellness um, mm-hmm. in Arkansas. And you're also uh, faculty at the Circle Yoga Shala there in uh, yes. Arkansas, particularly focused on um, teaching uh, future yoga teachers and yoga therapists about the impact of mental health um, and likely a lot of focus on trauma and um, mm-hmm. how that influences uh, people's experience of. Yoga and embodiment,
3: etc. Exactly. Yes, and (laughs) it's a time. (laughs) (laughs) That is how I spend my time. Yes, Uh, and it's wonderful and rich.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you, as a as a human, have been practicing yoga since about the mid to late nineties. You said, and doing a lot of self study in the meantime, and it's part of your own um, practice. And so, I would love to hear you kind of talk about your own personal journey, uh, both with yoga and then mm-hmm. also with the EMDR. And then we'll kind of bring the two together and talk
3: about how they work together. That sounds great. And, you know, as, as I was thinking about talking with you, uh, I was thinking of how in, in, my, in my mind and in my practice, um, of course, I can differentiate the two. Um, but it's all so woven together at this point that, it, that that's where I operate from. I are, I'm operating from the knowledge and the practice of yoga and the knowledge and the practice of EMDR therapy. And that's just, those are the lenses I'm looking through. So, um, you know, I appreciate uh, when when I did the SIP training with you guys just a couple of weeks ago. Um, just looking at all the different lenses and how they can layer upon one another. And how um, it is when we look at it that way? Yes, exactly. So, so I was doing drawings, right. And <laughs> how do I put this lens from yoga with this lens from uh-huh. SIP? So, okay.
2: So, so I have questions about that. Cause in my mind, um, the yoga piece goes mostly in the lens of somatic psychology mm-hmm. but then i also feel and i'm, I'm kind of curious how you make sense of this i feel overlap into the other lenses as well particularly into the interpersonal neurobiology and mm-hmm. in the way that bodies experience each other so i would love to see those drawings or maybe you can just kind of share like how how did you make sense of that yeah
3: um so what if we save that for a moment, actually? Yes. <laughs> I, wanted, I do wanna give a little bit of background to yes. of sort of the, the journey that I've been on and then bring that in, right? Of what, what, what do those lenses and layers yes. um, look like? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think in some ways, um, of course we all are, are experiencing it through our own lens too. Um, of what what has this been like for me, mm-hmm. um, and how do I make sense of that and help other people um, in as I've made sense of things myself? Yes. Mm-hmm. That, okay. Um, so my yoga journey began in the late um, uh, '90s. Um, I worked in a health food store uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, and my mother had died um, in '94. Uh, from a brain tumor Mm. and that was a really traumatic experience to go through that with her and there I was in the in the bookstore part of the health food store which is where I worked uh, of course Um, and a woman came in with her yoga cards and I said what's that right right. Um, (laughs) um, and she said well the way I think of it is that We learn how to put ourselves in uncomfortable and difficult positions and breathe so that when we're out, so that when we're out in our daily lives and we get into uncomfortable and difficult positions, we know how to breathe. What a
2: profound and fascinating introduction, which is actually true. Like I mean, it's a very small slice, but it is very true.
3: (laughs) <laughs> right, I know. So, so that was kind of the like, well, I certainly have had some, some difficult positions that I've been in lately that were uncomfortable. And yes, that sounds good to know how to breathe through it. So, wow. Yeah, that was my first hook. Okay. okay. Um, and, and so then I just began my journey um, and uh, began going to yoga classes. Um, yoga workshops. And I, I want to speak to our listeners to, to remember that in the late 1990s, there was not a, a yoga studio on every, cor- on every corner, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, so, so these were in some ways, the early days of yoga really blossoming um, uh, in the United States. Um, and then I began getting more interested as it, as it began to have its impact on me. Um, And my friends, Matt and Holly Kreps, who own Circle Yoga Shala, uh, were still in Little Rock at the time. And I began doing some training with them um, and just kind of bit by bit made my way uh, into uh, becoming certified first at the 200 hour level um, in yoga. Um, And at that time, um, I'd had another kind of life trauma um, and a wonderful thing. So, so this is the interesting thread is I had um, I had torn up my knee. I had torn my ACL and my meniscus. Oh. And the fellow that I was living with at the time also thought this was the, a good time to break up. Um, <laughs> so I literally had had kind of the rug pulled out from underneath me. My ground had been taken, right? Uh,
2: Metaphorically, everything all at once,
3: all at once. Right. Um, And my friend Holly said, why don't you, why don't you come to the 200 hour yoga teacher training? And I said, but I'm just healing from knee surgery. And she goes, that's perfect. (laughs) Wow. So here's this thread. So from there, I was at the VA at that time. I had just started working at the VA in the outpatient PTSD clinic. So here's where yoga and therapy start to blend together. Okay. Yeah. And so I started um, a yoga class um, for women veterans um, at the VA. And it was just an amazing experience where I learned so much from them Um eventually they learned a lot from me. (laughs) (laughs) It does kind of work that way at the beginning, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. Exactly. Uh, But but that's also where, you know, I was in a PTSD clinic. So I was really focused on trauma and I began to investigate, you know, what was there um, out there in uh about trauma and yoga. Uh, and so that's where I began doing that uh, learning process as well. Uh, and so I had a, a yoga class there for, gosh, probably um, nine years. Wow! Um, yeah, teaching yoga to veterans.
2: I just keep uh, up in the the stories that you accumulated in those nine years. Yes,
3: <laughs> I can tell a few. Ah yeah yeah. and just really profound, you know uh, moments and experiences of people being able to come into their bodies, of being able to experience some relaxation, because with PTSD, the nervous system, so here's where we bring that in, right? is just in fight flight mode so much of the time, there's so much hypervigilance, the body then is holding and storing the tension, right? Uh, And you can see almost the the armored um, uh, frame, right? Um, uh, Where that is being held in the body. Uh, And so to, you know, in, in the world of therapy, I think most therapists will relate to this is, um, we don't often get a lot of short-term um, returns <laughs> on what we do, right? It takes some time for us to see change, for us to experience that shift in people. Yeah. And yoga was, both for me and for the veterans, such a gift because um you could see in an hour and a half, their faces soften. Yes. Their breath soften and deepen relaxation happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I don't, I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the podcast and I'm just realizing that, but I went to yoga before I ever went to therapy for PTSD.
3: Interesting. I,
2: you know, part, part of how I ended up you know, being so focused in my work on the somatic realm of psychology is because that was my path to healing. I found yoga was 16 and have been, you know, practicing ever since, um, I had had three car wrecks right in a row and, you know, debilitating back pains, back pains. And, you know, doctors are telling me like, well, you're going to be in pain the rest of your life. I'm like, well, screw that. (laughs) I'm, yeah. not, I'm not signing up for that. There's got to be. Yeah, I'm
3: not down with that. Yeah. No.
2: Um, and so, purely of my own volition, like used my own money to and found because once again, it was back in the day before there was yeah. you know yoga everywhere, and found a woman that was uh, here in Springfield temporarily from New York that was teaching yoga. And, uh, you know, immediately started getting relief from the pain, but the experience that I had is exactly what you're describing. I would go into this room that she had created so intentionally, you know, the lighting was soft and there was music and she had a little puppy that was always there that would lay in her bed at the front of the room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I would lay on this mat and she would come around and, um, you know, help us, right. As mm-hmm. is so common in yoga, the teacher is hands-on, but mm-hmm. in this incredibly gentle and nurturing way. And, you know, I'm a teenager full of trauma in my mm-hmm. body and full of pain. And I would just cry. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and just have these like really profound experiences and leave going, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know what's going on in that room,
3: but I'm going to keep going because it feels, yeah. And yeah. There's something happening
2: there. <laughs> there is a, yeah, there is a, you know, profound experience of nurture and relaxation that I didn't even know that my body was capable of. And yes. at 16, 17, 18, 19, I would go to school and come home and do an hour of yoga. It's how I survived. You know, it's how mm-hmm. I like through those years. And so when I got into psychology, like that was in my body already and it was, you know, I've forever been grateful of being able to conceptualize all of that information through that foundational experience of trauma is in my body. And healing yes. happens here. I had I had the embodied experience of it before I had any information. And I have felt, you know, profoundly grateful personally, professionally, like on so many levels. And it's so resonant with what you're saying about, oh my God, we can create these templates for relaxation mm-hmm. and relationship with body and discover what our nervous system is number one, doing, but also yes. capable of. And that's one of my favorite things about yoga. It teaches us what our body is actually capable of.
3: Yes. Oh, boy, I, I just want to like pause with that because that's, <laughs> that's such an important thing that, that you're saying to teach us what our body is capable of.
2: And not, not in the sense of like, how far can I push myself? How long can I hold it? Right. Out? I'm talking about what am I capable of in terms of relaxation and profound rest and surrounding. Like it's so that's way more profound than any handstand.
3: (laughs) Way more profound than any handstand. And um, you know, one of the things that um, that I've learned is that a lot of times people who have been through trauma will be because they are in that more in that sympathetic nervous system state. And that's, What's known to them, right? Um, they they don't know the other things their body is still capable of. That they're more drawn to the more push physical hot yoga, or you know the advanced class, right? Which simply means a more physically strenuous class. Um, when what their nervous systems are actually needing um, is classes and and practices that offer them rest that allow them to go into that ventral vagal part of their nervous system.
2: I I have a very clear experience of my first time being in queen's pose
3: <laughs> in a
2: yoga class and like feeling that happen and like just the nurture of the whole experience of like the teacher bolstering you and wrapping you in blankets and you're getting you know the whole thing, um, yeah, is just so uh, like alive in in your body because you're um, wrestling with your relationship with rest. And yes, I, I so agree with what you're saying of like when we're in that sympathetic um, neuroception of danger mode all the time to be invited and welcomed and nurtured into rest. Uh, we're going to feel a lot in response to that. And sometimes there's hurdles to get through before we can really allow it to happen. I'm sure you run into that with veterans all the time.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. And that kind of brings me to talking a little bit about about the the conceptualization, right? When we're talking about uh, the layers and the lenses Um, in yoga and Ayurveda, um, there are um, things called the doshas, um, have you heard about the doshas? Yeah, yeah I, I figure I figured as much, and probably a fair amount of people have. Uh, but if you haven't, you know it's not common, common language, right? Um, but the doshas, um, we often think of them as being our personal constitution. Yeah. Um, and only that. Uh, but as, as I learned more about yoga, the doshas are also seen as forces. Um, And when we think of the the doshas as um, combining and containing the five elements, then I think it's easier to conceptualize of that. Um, So I'll start with just kind of saying what the five elements are and then that gives us the building blocks, Mm -hmm. right? To see what the doshas are. So the five elements are space, air, fire, water, and earth. Okay. Um, when someone when we see our clients who have a lot of anxiety, um, who are um, in that sympathetic state, we know that the space in the air and probably a little some fire right are really that's where they're living right because things move really quickly through the air and through space, right? And there's fire and energy that's that's keeping that's burning there, right? That's that, that on fire yeah. um, really even kind of feeling. And so to translate that into the doshas, the doshas are vada, pitta, and kapha. And the vada dosha is mostly space and air. And they, they are, are pitta dosha. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yes. So um, when we're looking at our clients, so to to bring this kind of down to earth into um, either a yoga practice or a um, a therapy practice and how that might combine is that we can see that our clients have all this movement in them, right? Right. Um, and it's, if you've ever, you know, it's the, the, the old thing of, you know, when somebody is riled up, you don't tell them relax. Right. It's impossible. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we know that, right. So we don't go immediately to stillness with that type of, uh, of inner activation, right. Of, of both mental and physical activation. We want to give the body something to do first and the mind something to do so that it can begin to slow down and perhaps come into that place of rest. Yeah. But if we just sit it down and say, be still, just like you were describing, right? All kinds of stuff's (laughs) going to be felt.
2: Well, and I'm curious too, Mary, I feel like maybe the converse is true of if somebody Mm -hmm. is coming in and has much more of the, um, the kapha presentation, right? That, right. uh, that earth, uh, mm-hmm. stone, like, <laughs>
3: yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, you know, some water as well. So, you know, combination of earth and water, we can get a little mm-hmm. muddy and stagnant. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and that's my presentation. Like I'm, uh, by nature, my body is kapha and I, mm-hmm. uh, try to compensate with a lot of pitta, a lot of the fire. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. hmm But that, that presentation for clients, uh, when they come in with that, they're going to be heavy in their depression and they're going to struggle with movement. And I just had a conversation with a client yesterday where she's struggling with movement and imagining that her first step into movement is, needs to be running. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's true. i'm like maybe from you know that whole couch to five k thing sounds like a good idea <laughs> except <laughs> if your nervous system is in that place of um dorsal shutdown like slow activation that right. muddy water heavy earth place sometimes easing into this gentle flow movement is going to be a titration to health rather than a huge shove into the ideal. And part of the beauty of yoga is that it works from both ends. If we tend to the fiery fast, it welcomes us into slower, gentler, more mindful movement. Um, and if we're really sluggish and slow, it welcomes us into gentle movement. (laughs) Exactly.
3: Exactly. Right. So that, that is, and so that's, that's the yoga lens that, that I'm looking through, right? When I'm, when I'm seeing a client and their presentation, yeah. is, it, is it heavy or light? Is it slow or fast, right? Does the it feel dry? Yes. Yes, exactly. So looking at all those what are called the 20, 20 qualities that are ten pairs of opposites, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in yoga and Ayurveda, um it's it's for me it's such a great shorthand you yeah. know as, as far as being able to go oh heavy right dense solid earth what's what's on the other end of the spectrum right and where do we move through just like the you know the the um polyvagal right, right. the the latter end the third. what do we need to move through in order to help this person find more balance yeah so well, that's really the unoperative word Yeah, the the balance
2: of the the doshas, the qualities, the nervous system, and one of the the layerings that I like with uh, PVT and this way of looking at things is that it's not about finding the right one. It's not about, um, you know, well, I'm kapha and I need to be like the ultimate kapha. It's no, no (laughs) (laughs) elements, right? We and uh, so it's in PVT language, it's the autonomic flexibility. I can move as I need to along the ladder um, and the activation states of my nervous system, dependent on what's happening in my environment, the state of my yes. body, and the needs of my body. It's about that flexibility and that balance, rather than um, the rigidness and the the stuckness that we often find uh, in static yes. situations for people. So I think it just layers perfectly. Um, I am curious for for listeners that are. Curious and interested in learning more about doshas and um, those elements and how that applies, or even discovering their own dosha type, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where would you recommend that they go? Either a book or online or
3: um, oh, I'm I'm trying to think of Banyan Botanicals Ooh. is a company um, yeah. that sells Ayurvedic uh herbs um, and products. And they actually have really great information. Um they, they have the, the online quiz, which I suggest that you hold lightly, right? Yes. Um, uh, it gives you a directions to look in, but then you can start to learn and inquire. Um, and it has good descriptions of the different doshas too. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link that in the show notes for people as well. Yeah. So. yeah. And then there's just, you know, there's so much out there now um, uh, about yoga and Ayurveda. Um, and some is um, just a lot more direct and pragmatic and some is a bit more esoteric, right? So there's, there's just uh, just really start looking and see what grabs your attention um, and, and go there. because um, there's just a lot of good information these days.
2: Perfect, Wonderful. Okay. So, and now I want to circle to EMDR.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Right. This is an EMDR podcast, right?
2: (laughs) Yoga and how much we love it for hours. Um, So, so what is your kind of introduction and story to EMDR and then how did the integration begin for you?
3: Yeah. Um, So I got introduced to EMDR by my co-friend um, and that's the term that she invented because we were coworkers and friends. So she called us co frienders.
1: <laughs>
3: Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was trained in EMDR. Um, and she was also my yoga, yoga buddy. We, we started the yoga group together. Cool. Um, uh, so, you know, like minded people. And she said, Oh, Mary, you would so love EMDR. And I was like, okay, <laughs> right. that, that's all you got to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that time in the PTSD clinic, clinic we were doing, um, as far as therapeutic modalities, it was uh, CPT, mm-hmm. cognitive processing therapy, um, prolonged exposure therapy, um, and ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and so there wasn't any EMDR at the VA, and they didn't um, pay for any trainings, right. Um, or equipment, um, actually they did end up buying our equipment. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I just decided this is important enough to me, um, mm-hmm. that I want to go, go get this training. Uh, and fortunately at that time it was, you know, again, just kind of a divine providence, um, that, uh, someone, uh, sent out, you know, a, a Facebook query, um, are there any therapists in Arkansas who would like to get trained in EMDR? And at that time there, I mean, my, my friend at the VA, there were n- no more than, uh, you know, what you could count on your hand as far as EMDR therapists in mm-hmm. Arkansas. And that was only uh, like seven or eight years ago. Sure. Um, and Since then, there's just been an explosion um, of people getting trained in EMDR. Um, so I got trained in EMDR, and it was also, you know, very, um, very helpful to me as far as um, it it was easy to get burned out just doing CPT and PE. I bet all day, and EMDR provided this other way to work um, that was more up my alley. Right, <laughs> it, it had that somatic component of it. Uh, and so I loved being able to have a therapy that I was doing that had that aspect to it, mm-hmm. um, but also less draining yeah. um, than doing CPT and PE. Um, so then I just, I just kept practicing it. And then um, one day decided I wanted to get EMDRIA certified um, <laughs> and looked around and found you and Jen. Yeah. Um, and there we are. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's kind of a a fun connection for us because we have a mutual friend. Yes. You know, it's been one of my close friends for a while and she trained at Circle Yoga Shala as well. And I actually have done a retreat at Circle Yoga Shala. Mm -hmm. We were there at the same time, but I have, you know, I, I like have the, the images in my mind of that place in space when I imagine you there, which is a lot of fun. And it's a, yeah. A beautiful place. So if anybody is interested in training, I think, you know, yes, I really recommend
3: it. They have a wonderful program. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I do. I do want to put in that, that plug. Um, it's in the Ozark mountains uh, of Arkansas in uh, around Jasper, around the Buffalo river. Yes. So it's just this gorgeous place um, with just super high level training. Um, so yeah, well, we're, we're circle yoga Shala fans. <laughs>
2: Well, so how, how did you, cause I, you know, where you are in your practice now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not doing yoga classes for veterans in the city anymore, but you're, you're combining the two in individual sessions with clients. Yes. So I am super curious to listen to you talk about like, how, how did you begin to experiment with that? What have you learned and what does that look like now in your
3: practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's, that's fun to, I hadn't really thought about how did I begin to experiment with that? And that was definitely during my time at the VA um, that I would, I would just at a really unusually large office um, that I was, I was given because I had yoga training and wanted to be able to do some stuff with, with veterans. Um, And a lot of times, you know, I would get to know people fairly well. Um, We didn't do um, long-term individual therapy. Um, the protocols were, you know, 16 to 20, 24 weeks. Um, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I would have had a veteran in a group, um, and then he, he would come to me for individual therapy, um, or vice versa. Right. And, and so I got to know people and those were people that I was really comfortable with, you know, saying, you want to try something different? Uh, <laughs> and my they,
2: favorite phrase with clients ever. You want, you want to try something new?
3: <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, and, and so they were game. Right. Um, and, and so I would just begin uh, doing um, doing little things. Right. It might be, um, you know, we're calling right now a client who had done um, uh, the yoga group for men because we had separate m- female and male yoga groups, um, particularly because of a lot of the women um, that came to the yoga groups were survivors of sexual assault. And so it just made it a much safer environment for them to do yoga. Um, but I'm remembering a guy where I was like, "Okay, why don't we get down on the floor?" And I'd roll out the yoga mat, right? <laughs> um, and and let's try this. Um, with that said, you know what? It seems like really important. As I say that though, is I don't have a yoga mat in my office right now. Yeah, it's not not a it's not a, a big space um, uh, like I had at the VA. And yet I probably do more movement consistently with various clients in that environment. Um, So I say that to to dispel any thoughts that listeners might be having. Well, I don't have space or I don't know if I would be comfortable putting down a yoga mat, right? Right. Right. Um, Right. That not needed, right? Um, A lot of what I do is just um, seated or standing nowadays. So I would love for,
2: for you to just share examples of like, what does that end up looking like in session? You know, you're doing EMDR with somebody and you have this set of tools that you use that include movement and, um, you know, all of the grounding of what movement is all about because of, um, but you're not, you know, getting them on the yoga mat and doing a flow or doing Mm -hmm a set of asana, like you're, you're just incorporating the movement portion. So how does that look really practically
3: at this point? Yeah. Um, So I can, I think of the, I think of yoga um, as uh, running through the three phases of EMDR. Um, So I first think of it in the stabilization phase, and that's where I introduce yoga practices a lot. And when I talk about yoga, I'm including movement, but I'm also including breath or mindful awareness, mindful inquiry, um, those kinds of things too. Um, So in the resourcing phase, um, uh, it might look like, what if we just pause for a minute (laughs) and bring awareness into the body? And then what would it feel like to take both arms, lifting them up over your head, and I'll do this with you, right? So, there's a very important trauma-informed part of using yoga in your therapy practice that it's a shared experience. Mm. So, so doing it together, um, you know, you can we can get nerd out on the attachment part of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, what if you just and I'm doing this right now, what if you just lift your arms up as far as it feels comfortable to you above your head, right? And just notice the feeling of the movement where you're feeling any sensation in your body and lower them down back along your sides. Yeah. And that's super simple, right? Yes. But can have just a lot of impact for your client, right? you're getting them out of their head and into their bodies, right? Uh, And so we might do that practice. And that one in particular, to kind of connect it to what we've been talking about already. If you've got a person with that kapha, depressed, heavy presentation, right? Well, you want the energy moving up, right? You want to lift Mm
1: -hmm. that
3: energy up so that -hmm. Arms over the head, right? And maybe even holding them there, reaching a little bit through the fingertips and breathing, noticing are you holding your breath, right? (laughs) So there's all these things that you invite them to notice um, as you're doing the movement. And so that might be, I have actually recently given that to a couple of clients who are experiencing depression. When you wake up in the morning, sit on the side of your bed. And, you know, five to 10 moving with your breath, lift your arms up overhead and lower your arms down. Mm.
2: Right. Yeah. Just welcoming that energy to start being up and out, up and out. Right. Yeah. The, the heaviness and the dullness and the, um, yeah, just the, the stuckness, the stuckness, right. That makes so much sense. So, um, conversely with somebody that wakes up with you know, a burst of sympathetic energy and anxiety, okay. mm-hmm. uh, you know, intuitively, I think that, you know, my body has a sensation of like hands on chest, and yep. self-comforting movement. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there other ones that you offer clients that have that sympathetic presentation?
3: Right. Yeah. So that might be right. You, you want to give um, that energetic presentation, some movement right? Because it is, it is vibrating, right? Um, but slow, okay. mindful movement, right? So for that Kappa presentation, I might, I might even say, you know, do the first five just at your own pace, and then maybe increase the increase the pace a little bit, right? Um, to get more energy flowing with the with the energetic person slow movement. And one thing that we use for that in yoga is called the envelope breath. Um, Yeah. And it requires more attention, right. And slowing down in order to do that. So with envelope breathing, you would start the breath. So you're really paying attention to your breath. What's happening there. Okay. My inhale starts. And after the inhale starts, then I begin lifting the arms up towards the ceiling. Mm. And I want to end that before the end of my, um, uh, inhale, Mm. wait for the exhale to start and then lower the arms back, back down. So the movement happens within the envelope of the breath, right? Right. So that is, that is very soothing to the nervous system, uh, to move and practice in that way. So there, there's a,
2: like what I feel as you do that is there's a uh, synchronization that's occurring mm-hmm. in the body, which is yep. um because it's uh, bringing balance and reducing chaos, which balance. Is, uh, the mm-hmm. sympathetic energy is chaotic and uh, imbalanced. Exactly. Fire too much, so, et cetera. Um, but then there's also uh, a very, like contained experience. And so when I'm, that's exactly the word. uh, yeah, Yeah. And so in the stabilization phase and the resourcing phases of EMDR, we're teaching containment. We're teaching like, how can I, how can I do this work within a safe and regulated container? And then we add the, the co-regulation of, and my therapist is present with me while I'm doing this. And maybe even Doing this movement in a synchronized way and breathing in a synchronized way. Now my container includes this relationship. Yes, it's really freaking cool. <laughs>
3: right? Exactly. Exactly. And all of that is woven in. So yes. David Emerson is someone who um, has done a lot with trauma informed yoga. He actually has a uh, the sometimes it's called three hundred, sometimes it's called five hundred hour. sort of the second level of yoga training, but he has a a trauma um, sensitive yoga training program. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has a couple of books um, uh, on trauma-informed yoga and trauma-informed yoga in therapy. So I highly recommend his work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of the specific titles right off the bat, but it's easy to search and we'll include them. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is as a primary element of trauma-informed yoga is creating rhythms. Mm-hmm. And so part of that has to do with that our, our rhythms are out of sync, right? When we've experienced trauma and our, we feel both disconnected oftentimes from ourselves but also very disconnected from others. Mm-hmm. And so bringing that into the containment part of, there is also a rhythm then that's being created together, yes. right? Where we're moving synchronously um, in rhythm and that's also helping everything, right? <laughs> it's helping all the layers
2: yeah. of well, the I'm, person. I'm thinking too about, uh, you know, in SIP we talk about the lens of attachment and neurobiology. Right. And going back to the framework of the first relationship between mother and infant,
0: mm-hmm.
2: rhythm is a huge part of initial right. nervous development. The right. patterning and the way that we move with our babies, the way that we rock, the way that we talk, the prosody, the mm-hmm. right? The sing-song mother voice mm-hmm. that we use with children, um, the rhythm of their day. Right. right. The ebbs and flows, the the natural um, yeah, the rituals and the rhythms for mm-hmm. children, that is their safe container. Mm-hmm. And originally it's mother's body that provides mm-hmm. all of that rhythm. And then slowly it expands and extends out into their environment. And you know, we have a ton of research at this point to say like children do best in the safety of a um a container of structure, which includes right. Like, And routine and predictability. (laughs) Right. Exactly.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so how do we, so this is one way that we're giving container and structure, right? Um, That that is a real containment and a real structure. And then we can do that too. um, You know, the other place that I go to as far as when I'm thinking um, yoga in EMDR and in the therapy room, um, is breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there's, there's, you know, the, the way that we can structure the breath, yeah. the way that the breath, the, the way that we are a container for breath, right? Yeah. Um, so all of these elements that if we're, if, if we are, are attending to what the client's nervous system is doing that, that we can bring to, um, to their resources. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So I'm, I, I love
2: that idea of kind of mapping this process onto the phases of the um, so that kind of being the stabilization and resourcing, how does this look as you move into
3: reprocessing
2: in the memory mm-hmm. reconciliation portion?
3: Yeah. So w- one of the practices that, uh, that I often do in the resourcing phase is to practice in session and then ask people to do this practice at home mm-hmm. of a mindfulness practice of tuning into the physical body. What do I notice? Mm-hmm. Right just non-judgmental inquiry. Um, so that being a part of yoga as well, that awareness, that in non-judgmental inquiry. And then I guide them into noticing what's happening in your emotional body right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. What emotions do you notice? And then noticing what their mental activity is like, right? Where is just going, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Right? So I'm, I'm helping train them in, yeah. in the first resourcing phases on how to pay attention to that. Yeah. Sure. So we get to reprocessing and that's not new to them. Not at all,
2: the assessment phase is like old hat. They've practiced yes. it
3: time. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow. exactly. I love that. Yeah. And, and then when we have done some of the resourcing practices um, before, then that can be also a grounding exercise, something that we do prior to reprocessing, or in reprocessing, or to end reprocessing, right? And again, this is we we've already created these rituals together, um, these practices together, and so part of what I see that doing too is you know um, r- helping to reestablish that connection and that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone has gone right back into memory um, and a lot is activated, um, then not, not only do we ground them in the present, right, through their own senses, uh, but there's the shared experience that we've had together, right, uh, which often includes some laughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, I think that's one of the wonderful things about getting into the body uh, is that that it frees something up oftentimes and we feel a little silly together, right? Yeah. yeah play. Mm-hmm. Is so, oh yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Very, very long time. But yeah, yes. in SIP, we, we talk about anchoring and safety and how, you know, we don't go anywhere without that safe anchor. Right. And so what you're saying is this, this way of moving together and being grounded in body becomes not only a very practical anchor in terms of grounding them in the awareness, yes. of body, but also a relational anchor because we've experienced this with you and the, the safety and the connection and the synchrony and the co-regulation of that becomes a relational resource that, um, kind of holds and anchors the whole reprocessing experience.
3: Beautifully said.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I can just imagine. Yeah. I get, I can feel how that would translate into session of, you know, okay we're gonna go into this kind of uncharted difficult territory, but this mm-hmm. isn't the first time that we've done something strange and challenging together. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. We've moved together, which is such a, you know, a, a new experience for a lot of our clients. Even the simple activity of can we sit facing each other and both raise our hands over our heads while we breathe. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. even in that it produces some activation of like oh right. I'm doing this weird thing with this new person, like you're exactly
3: <laughs> exactly. It's a it's vulnerable. Yeah, right? that's a good mm-hmm. one. yeah, it's yeah.
2: vulnerable. um but then it's met with safety in connection mm-hmm. with you, and that provides a beautiful template moving into the, the difficult territory of
3: reprocessing. Yes, yes. And when I think about too, just the, um, I'm thinking about David Emerson um, and his four fundamentals of trauma-sensitive yoga and the creating rhythms is one of them. Um, The other three are presence. So how do we become present? Um, Taking effective action. Because so often, right? I mean, part of the nature is trauma of trauma is that I was helpless, right? I was not in control. Um, And the other is um, making choices, which again speaks to that I did not have choice in that moment. Um, So even as I'm guiding someone in movement, those things are also being integrated Mm -hmm. into the language that I'm using, right? So that translates then into the EMDR reprocessing, because the client is knowing that that they have had this experience where I've given them choice. I've encouraged them to listen to their own bodies and and hearts and minds, right? Um, And they've been able to begin to learn that, right? How does it feel to tilt my head towards my left shoulder? Hmm. Oh, Oh, I'm noticing something. How does it feel to, um, to go at far and then come back a little bit, mm. and to back off of that, right? Yeah. How does it feel when my therapist is guiding me and then she frees me into my own movement? What happens then, right? So all of that is happening as that that resourcing part, so that my client knows that when we go into the reprocessing and I say, you know, you're you're you got the foot on the brake, right? <laughs> um we can I'm steering, you want to we can stop when he, they know that, right? They have an embodied felt sense that they do have choice here. Right. That they do that they can take effective action. Yes. We have anchors, right? All these things, and and there's such a development
2: of self-reflective capacity. Yes, but in a situation where the the bar, I don't want to say the bar is lower, although the, I think that also applies. But it's not as uh, scary. Mm-hmm. To, like the to be self-reflective about how does it feel to tilt my head, is much less activating and daunting than how does it feel to remember your abuse. Yes. So we can practice in this very safe and titrated way. How do I be self-reflective and mm-hmm. hold that dual awareness, um, and then how do I put it into language to share with yes. a person and feel safe yes. the sharing of it? So you set all of that groundwork um, in a way that's very anchored in body, which mm-hmm. then
3: yeah just smooths out all of that transition into the deeper work. Exactly. Yes, and I think what's what's important that I hope listeners are noticing is that I'm I'm not teaching a lot of complex posture. Right, it's super simple, and that's actually part of the uh, in yoga we use the term krama, which just means the sequence. Right, um, is that we want to start we we want to start with simple. Mm-hmm. Um, not complex, right? We move from simple to complex and that actually fits with the three phases, right? Of EMDR. Um, so we're doing very simple movement. Um, we're moving from outside to in. We don't start with the, what do you notice in your belly right now? <laughs> <laughs> <Not> too <fast. laughs> right Too much too fast, exactly, right? Um, so doing movements with the head and neck lifting the arms right that's outside right yeah, yeah. Um, so those things are are and the the practice is grounded in that and so I want I, I want to take away some of the fear that people sometimes have of I don't I don't know enough about posture right right um, you need to know simple right postures that you can do in your own body Mm -hmm. um and that's a really important part kind of just moving to a little bit to you know how do um how does someone begin to incorporate this if they have their own yoga practice and they're wanting to do some of this in their sessions but they're not quite sure how well it needs to be grounded in your own body yes
2: so 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 I know what you mean by that. Say what you mean. By that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> do your own practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and when you do okay. your own. Yeah. And it, yes, right? Um and and so and and feel into, right? What is it like for me um as I as I move and become really um comfortable in simple movements. Um, And, you know, maybe ask your yoga teacher friends for help languaging, right? Uh, Because that's an important aspect of how do I language this? Um, Listen to David Emerson's YouTube videos, right? That's a a good way. And and his books, again, um, give you some languaging uh, guidance. Um, But your practice coming from inside you rather than, words you read in a book or, um, what you heard another person say, uh, gives you so much more information and connection to the movement or the breath or whatever it is.
2: Okay. I'm also, you know, one of the ways that
3: movement, um, and reprocessing comes
2: up a lot is in the, uh, I, unfinished, right. The, Ooh, yes the body at the time of the trauma, um they're they're locked, they're they're stuck mm-hmm. cells right system uh, because of the, the shutdown sequence in the time of the trauma. And so oftentimes when we're sitting with clients in the midst of reprocessing their body is signaling a mm-hmm. action that right. they they need to release and one mm-hmm. of them ways to release that is to actually do the action, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? <laughs> Let the movement occur. And what I love about this way of working is that if we have been working this way all along, you know, even if we don't do movement every single session or all the right, time, if it's not the first time that we've ever moved with our client. Yeah. Then if we need to say to them, Hey, would it feel helpful in, in this moment as an interweave in the of reprocessing? To actually do what your hands are wanting to do, mm-hmm. to actually lash out and hit the way that you wanted to, but couldn't, or yes. to stand up and walk out, right? If that's what needed to happen and you couldn't do it or to push, you know, and, and effort those muscles that are still right. and holding all of that energy. If we need to do that in reprocessing, it is much gentler to the client. If this is not the first time that we've ever suggested that we move in session together. Absolutely. Yes. We have a, a practice of we move together, right? So when mm-hmm. a client needs to push, then maybe I'm doing it with them. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, that their their body is feeling it, and their mirror neurons are seeing it happen, and that yeah. creates that, um, that mismatched experience that we need for memory reconsolidation to take place. But if we've never moved with her client before, if this is the very first we've ever seen. I can be really activating. and be like, what you want me to like actually do something right now. Normally we just sit still and talk. Right. Uh, that's another piece of this is the the way of moving and working this way means that when we need it, we have access to the intelligence of the body and its ways of healing in a way that uh, is gentle and inviting for our clients rather than scary. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes. And they can, they can move more easily into it rather than it being something, as you said, that's activating. Yeah.
2: Well, well thank you so much, Mary. So I, before we wrap up, there's a few other things that I want to touch on. I think uh, you know, we've given a lot of really good resources for people to continue to look into. I'm curious if you have any others in mind that you would
3: offer. Um, let me see. You know, I love, um, I love Rolf Gates's um, it's not about um, asana per se, um, but his daily reflections on the path of yoga um, is something that I go back to again and again for um, the inner work of yoga and, and what the, what the, um, the body practices can teach us. Um, So he's really good at weaving uh, that together and speaking to how, you know, how an asana practice or a a breath practice um, speaks to the other limbs and layers of yoga and the inner process that happens.
2: Wonderful. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, maybe that's sort of something that we take for granted, but shouldn't is that the big picture understanding of yoga culturally is very focused on the asana portion of it. The yes. posture and the flow. Um, but yoga traditionally and historically, that is one very small piece of it. Right. Yes. Yoga is a way of, uh, identifying practice for self-development and you can have a yoga of all kinds of things. <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: Talking about the yoga of relationships and how he recommended that if you could pick any other yoga, pick a different one, because that's a real hard one.
3: <laughs> you know, that's so funny, Melissa, because that's exactly what my mind went to was the yoga of relationships. I was like, yep, yeah, that's the hardest one. <laughs> as, as
2: therapists, like we tend to be in the yoga of relationships mm-hmm. uh, and it is very useful to me to kind of conceptualize a lot of different areas of life as a a yogic practice, a practice of mindfully for the purpose of self-development. But then also uh, yoga holds the tradition of expansion into community awareness. Yes. uh, Kind of holding the collective uh, in mind as we move through our life in the way that we choose to show up and behave and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that, that broad perspective of what yoga can really be, um, it's part of why once you have practiced it for a long time and studied it, the overlap with our therapeutic work is just obvious. It's there. We're not defining it that way. (laughs)
3: Yes, (laughs) it is
2: just there. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Beautiful. So, um any other like thoughts or encouragements to therapists that maybe don't have the traditional yogic training or practice of ways that they can begin to take steps into incorporating more movement and more mindful body awareness into their work. Yeah.
3: Um, I I think that sometimes we are maybe a little bit more comfortable with practicing the breath, uh, Mm -hmm. than the movement. Um, so that can be a really nice way to start that does take people into their body. Right. Um, uh, and maybe a little bit more accessible sometimes rather cause, cause it can be, if you're, if you're a little scared, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then asking people to move, uh, a first step can be just paying attention to the breath.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and, and, and that in itself in itself to just pay attention to, oh, I have an inhale. I have an exhale. There's even a pause at the end of the exhale that most people aren't aware of, right? Space, the space. The. <laughs> yes, a little space there, right? So being with the three parts of the breath, long, slow breathing is good for everybody. We live in a supercharged world. So, um, so you can't go wrong uh, with just helping people to have a, a deeper belly breath, right? Um, so that... And, and I think really not anything too much more specific than um, uh, uh, pick um, three postures, right? Start with something really manageable and doable um, and practice those uh, and see what they feel like. Um, and, and, then, and then go, right? uh uh, don't be afraid to to jump in with your clients uh and practice a little bit of of movement um i i have let me just check myself i've never had it go wrong wow Yeah. yeah i i can i can having checked i can say i've never had it go wrong me neither i've i've certainly had times where it doesn't
2: land as you know effectively or powerfully as I hoped but had it uh, like backfire in a problem right yes exactly yes yes very cool so um I'm also curious Mary and I don't know I'm kind of about to put you on the spot a little bit so I'm owning that if uh if people are curious to talk more about this, would you be open to consultation for people that want
3: to integrate this a little bit more into their work? Yes, I would. I, I, I love that work actually yeah. of, of, to, of sharing with other therapists, how do I bring the body into the session? Yes. And mm-hmm. so where would they contact you? Um, Mary Horn, M-A-R-Y-H-O-R-N-E at tribe.healthcare. And we will, uh, put that in the show notes as well.
2: Um, so that people can uh, find that link and get to you. Yeah. uh, Great. All of these resources that we've talked about. Um, and I just want to say like, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise and your wisdom. Um, and I look forward to continued conversations, um, one of the fun things that we're doing in the new year is starting a, uh, beyond healing media, YouTube channel. Yes. Uh, and, uh, we're going to have a, a sub-channel under that called Soma Psyche, which will be able to really showcase more somatic ways of working with her clients because so much of this work doesn't translate well over audio, <laughs> right? You <laughs> work with body, but we're only telling you in words. Uh, right video is really essential to to give some clear demonstration of that. So we've got lots of exciting things coming and planned. And I would love for uh, you to be involved in that uh, at some point, because you have so much to offer. Um, so, uh, all that saying listeners, you guys will likely be hearing more from Mary Horn and we did a video record this. So if you would like to see our faces talking to each other and the movements that Mary demonstrated, um, you can find that video. It'll either be on Patreon and when the YouTube channel gets up, we'll also put it there so that you guys can find it. So thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. And thank you so much, Mary, for being with us.
3: Uh, Thank you, Melissa. And I look forward to future endeavors. Thank you.
1: We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes. Leave us a review and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast.
4: This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt, but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The
0: Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.
1: If you enjoy what you hear on these episodes and are interested in speaking with one of us at Beyond Healing Institute, we would love for you to reach out about our consultation opportunities. Of all the many things that we do, consultation is one of the things that we enjoy most. We love supporting other clinicians and conceptualizing their cases from a neurobiological and nervous system-informed perspective. We offer individual and group consultation for somatic integration and processing, as well as for EMDR therapy. Individual consultation is a great way to get personal time to reflect on your cases and how you and your work influence one another. Group consultation offers so many opportunities for learning and connection with other like-minded clinicians. Our greatest mission at Beyond Healing Institute is to offer opportunities for professional development and create a supportive community in the field of mental health.
4: Beyond Healing Institute is excited to announce that we're moving. Okay, well, we're not moving our building, but we're moving our trainings, continuing education resources, and community events to Canvas. This will help you as a member of the community to stay in contact with other members of the Beyond Healing community while also providing a platform that brings consistency and convenience to all of our trainings and course offerings. Canvas is an online learning management system that will be your home base for all things beyond healing, as well as a virtual campus that will house all of our trainings and continuing education resources. We're so excited to invite you to our virtual campus on Canvas, and we hope to see you there soon.